Let us bow in prayer. Father, we give you thanks for bringing each and every one of us here this We give you thanks for the ministry through music that we have received already. And as it washes over us, we are renewed, our hearts are opened and made new. That you remind us of your grace and your unconditional love. You remind us that you are beauty, and you are truth, and you are goodness. In your son's name we pray, amen. Well, when we uh, first moved to Toronto, I had a, a favorite place. It wasn't the CN Tower. It wasn't the Provincial Parliament buildings, trust me. It wasn't even the Hockey Hall of Fame, as you can guess from the picture. My favorite place was the old Maple Leaf Gardens. What a storied building that is. And when we first got there, it was actually boarded up. It's kind of derelict. It was in a... a area of town that maybe you wouldn't want to find yourself in late at night. But soon after that, uh, the grocery store giant Loblaws uh, purchased it, and with the help of Ryerson University right downtown Toronto, they begin to revitalize it and restore it. And they had this great vision for it that they would uh, turn the upper part of it into an athletic center for Ryerson University, but the whole main floor was the Loblaws grocery store. Now, you might think that that's a strange favorite place in Toronto, although, if you know me, you might not think that that's a favorite, strange favorite place for me. Uh, but they did such a fantastic job as kind of a feature store in Toronto. And they did a, a great job of kind of incorporating the history of that building into the, the grocery store. And so, right when you walk in, up on the wall, there's this, this giant uh, blue maple leaf made out of old bleacher seats from the gardens. And as you go through, uh, there's all these different, you know, historical things that you can take notice of. In fact, if you go to aisle 25, I still remember, aisle 25, right in the middle of the aisle is the old center ice dot. They put a red dot right where old center ice used to be. And uh, there's these long tables because it's kind of a restaurant slash grocery store. And on the long tables, instead of just putting tables, they uh, placed underneath glass pictures of all the different events that had happened at the gardens over the years. I mean, think about it. Some of the greatest events Canada has ever seen. Uh, not WrestleMania, although that was on there too. Elvis. The Beatles. I mean, just, just about any musical act you can imagine played there, right? Other things, Muhammad Ali. A boxing match there. I didn't even know that. You get to learn, and there's little write-ups up, write about all these little things. But one picture always caught my attention. And that was the 1955 Youth for Christ rally that happened at Maple Leaf Gardens. That's the picture they have up. Can you imagine that? Packed. All with young people from Toronto and Ontario and across Canada there to talk about what it means to bring the gospel to the nation. If you know anything about Youth for Christ or about the rallies that they used to hold, which eventually became crusades, you know that they had a young evangelist at the time, just about five years into his career of doing this, looked a little bit more like a movie star than a preacher. 
the hair, hey? Just so jealous of the hair. This is public confession time. Billy Graham was his name. He had really just broken onto the scene in 1945 in Los Angeles. The Toronto campaign was probably the first major sustained campaign for how they, kind of the, the blueprint for how they did them from then on. And the story goes that uh, the year previous they were in London, England, 1954. And while they were there, uh, Graham was meeting with his closest advisors, his musical director, Cliff Barrows, a Canadian baritone singer that traveled with him, was maybe as famous as he was, George Beverly Shea. And a, a, an old missionary gave them a pamphlet. He said, I, I want you to have this. I think this is, this is really valuable. I picked it up in the missions field. I've translated it for the first time to English. It was this old uh, Swedish poem that this missionary had picked up. And it was set to a tune, and it was different in, in the Eastern Bloc countries. In fact, it had traveled from Sweden to Estonia first, and then to Russia, and then to the Ukraine. And they didn't really pay much attention to the pamphlet at the time. But once they got back to the United States, they decided to look a little bit closer at it. And they, they got together and they said, this is, this is beautiful. This is a powerful piece of music. And so they set to work on putting it to music in the way that they wanted to present it. And they decided that they would roll out that song in 1955 at the Youth for Christ campaign, Maple Leaf Gardens, Toronto, Canada. That song was How Great Thou Art. And you know, you know the history of that song. You know the power of that song. Many of you will know personally how that song has spoken to you over the years and the history that it's had in our churches and the wonderful reach that it has had all over the world. In fact, it went so well in Toronto after the first couple nights Graham sat down with Barrows and Shea and said, use that song as much as you can because it's so God-honoring. It's such a God-honoring song. And the three of them say that uh, probably by the time they finished that campaign and then they went to New York right after that, so they had two campaigns back-to-back, -back. Uh, in total, those two campaigns, they would have sung that song well over a hundred times. Imagine that. That was a new song for North American Christians. Well, this week we turn the page in the Christian calendar as Ash Wednesday marks the beginning of the season of Lent. Last year, if you were here, you'll remember that we became fast friends over the season of Lent as we focused on fasting different practices of fasting and how that can aid to our spiritual development. The season of Lent is a season where we focus on our humanity. In fact, we focus on our mortality. From ashes you have come and to ashes you will return. That's the central motif of Ash Wednesday. It's a season of taking stock what God has done for us. 
The song, How Great Thou Art, begins with God's amazing, beautiful work of creation. And then it moves from there to his amazing, beautiful work of salvation. From the overwhelming awe and beauty that we experience in the natural world to the humbling reminder that God came down for us and for our salvation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, Paul writing to the Corinthian church says this, God was reconciling the world in himself, sorry, to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Friends, we can talk about reflecting on God and what he has done for us, his creation, his work of salvation, but mere talk of this lacks that overwhelming power and grandeur of lifting our voices together in song, doesn't it? There's simply something special about closing your eyes, raising your hands, letting the power of the music and the words roll over you. Reflect again this morning, I encourage you, not not on your past, not as on what has gone before you, but spend time reflecting on God himself. As the psalmist says, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his house. You see, by taking time to reflect on God's work and on his beauty, Lent reorients us, turns us away from ourselves and back to God. The season has traditionally had three different emphases that have helped us to do that. Fasting, prayer, and generosity. As I said last year, we focused on that practice of fasting, what that might look like for us as Christians today. This year we'll turn our attention to generosity over the season of Lent starting next week. Next year we hope to look at prayer. At the root of these practices is this intention that we are designed to grow in practical ways, that we are designed to take another step in faith no matter where we are along that journey. That our call is to grow in our trust and faith in God. And so these three practices help to reorient us, to turn us away from placing our faith in ourselves and toward the God who is the God of creation and the God of salvation. And if you don't like the word Lent, that's fine. You can use whatever other word you want. But remember, as we're just finishing a series on 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter was so clearly taught in that letter. Whatever practices and whatever habits Whatever action you take on in this life will speak volumes about what your eternal perspective is or the lack of your eternal perspective. When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. So friends, for the next 40 days, what practices of fasting will you implement to help you reflect and reorient your life to 
Christ to the Creator. For the next 40 days, how will you challenge your views of generosity and giving when you consider all the works thy hands have made? For the next 40 days, what will you put in place to ensure that your prayer life focuses on God, on His creation, and on His salvation? 